Abba Yahweh. Time to share with you, to be with you, to be in your truth, your knowledge and your wisdom, and to share that with anyone that has an ear to hear the words, but listen to what is said. That they would then go to your word and search for you, seeking your truth, seeking your knowledge, seeking your wisdom, like that fine treasure that we find in the book of Proverbs. A man that seeks wisdom will be truly blessed. So, oh, I got to share with you, I have a headache. Man, but it's not. <laughs> it's just when you try to look up and you research and you go to look for things that used to be, I, I, I think I got to go to a bookstore and just get a, get a real dictionary. But I have to be very particular because I know that they're that they're hard to find. But everything is just being butchered, absolutely butchered, chopped up, torn apart, and you can't even find what was relevant years ago when I was younger. I used to be able to find things like encyclopedias and dictionaries and. You used to be able to turn a page for things. Now everybody wants to use the internet. Well, if it's on the internet, it has to be true. Well, that's a bunch of baloney because things you find on the internet are only as good as those that transpose or program. And I just, I can remember, and this was years ago. This was, goodness gracious, uh, 20 years ago, almost 30 years ago, I think. And it was, um, I can't even remember what the company was, but they were they were showing a commercial. And the it was uh, involving a couple co-workers. And um, the one co-worker was talking it up about, I can't even exactly remember the subject, but speaking about something. And the, and the young lady was convinced that everything found on the internet was true. And the coworker was trying to explain that that's not so. And she goes, oh, sure, you know, of course it is. They, they, they wouldn't put it on the internet if it wasn't true. Oh, goodness gracious. Hopefully there's some enlightened folks out there that know that's not true. So as the course of the uh, advertisement continues, they kind of quiet down and they're walking and sipping their coffee. I guess they're heading to work or heading to lunch or what have you. And um, then she pops up like, oh, I, I've got a new boyfriend. Oh, that's fine. And where'd you meet him? And then as she turns to him and he looks at her both at the same time, the Internet. And... Uh, so he asked about her, and she's, oh, he's a, a French model, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And uh, as they continue, she goes, oh, there he is now. And the man is kind of looking past this great big giant, for lack of a better description, Sasquatch-looking individual. The guy must be about 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six or so. 
and just a really big bulky guy kind of long scraggly hair i think they made him up a little bit and he's got his uh, uh shirt one tail is untucked and and just kind of lumbering down the street and uh so then they stop and pause for a minute and she goes oh this is my so-and-so and the introductions go in and then uh the young man says, oh, so you're uh, a French model. And then he's like, uh, 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 bonjour. Totally butchers the French language, absolutely destroys it. And of course, the obvious is that he's not a French model. Okay, saying all that to say this. The access to that is supposed to have been a tool, a useful tool, and it has been perverted to some of the worst ever information there actually is. I'm trying to research and do and utilize because I don't have a book dictionary anymore and that's gonna change. That's definitely gonna change. Uh, I don't mind turning pages and looking at things. I really don't. Um, but I was trying to look for something I was gonna share with you all and every single thing was changed. You couldn't even find a real, I had to search and search and search to find an actual definition. And it was only dealing with a prefix, but Man has changed it. It is you can't even find it until you. I mean, you have to really dig in order to find it. So, lesson learned: If you want the truth, you have to dig for it. Don't just open up and think that this electronic device is going to give you the right answer right off the bat because it's not going to do that. If you want real meaning you have to dig for it but most folks are not willing to do that the reason they have the electronic device in the first place as i've shared before is that they don't have to carry their bible they don't have to carry a book and they can get everything now 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 well goodness gracious this is why you have many christians that have been tainted so badly by this thing is they can't wait for God's timing at all, if ever. Everything has got to be now. I want it now. I want an answer now. It's got to be now. And they give God about 30 seconds and they look at their watch for an answer when they've talked to God or spending time with God. And they're constantly looking at their watch. Well, get over yourself. Everything about what God has placed here and about God is according to his timing. He knows best. He can see far beyond what you can possibly imagine. You can't even fathom his thoughts. You can't even fathom the depth of his love. You have a difficult enough time trying to figure out the mystery of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. You can't figure that one out. And so you make up things about it that aren't even true. Just like that discussion we were having in class the other day. It was 
kind of difficult, but I mean, I wasn't going to get confrontational, but it wasn't accurate or truth. And it was hard for me to, to deal with and, and sit there and be still. But my comment was, if it's not in the Bible, it shouldn't be taught, period. We need to look to the Bible for the answers. If it's in the precepts and the tenets of the Lord God Almighty, it's a good to go. And that, that was basic, that was it. I wasn't going to go get into a long discussion. Um, and there were some individuals I could just by comments that they were making, it was getting a little bit warm around the collar. So this is what we're not supposed to do, brothers and sisters. You're not supposed to get confrontational. You don't get angry and, well, actually we are allowed to be angry, but we're not to sin in our anger. If you become confrontational, you become physical and you become mouthy and you get agitated about it, that's sinful. It tells us that we can be angry, but don't sin in your anger. You say, well, how are you supposed to do that? Well, be disciplined and pray through it. You don't have to respond in, in agitation. You don't have to put your hands on anyone and you don't have to be confrontational. There was a book, I read it, oh, a long time ago. I thought it was a really, really, really excellent book. A great book. It was called The Peaceful Warrior. Called The Peaceful Warrior. And it was a really great book. It was adapted into a screenplay. And it was really odd that they had the person play the part they did. But I guess there was a reasoning behind that. But anyway, um, The Peaceful Warrior was about an older gentleman. And he was, he was indeed a warrior. But he very rarely would ever... Everything about what he did was all defensive posture, never became assaultive, never became aggressive, and never did any of those things. So, case in point, Christ Jesus was a peaceful warrior. You think that Jesus would not go to bat for you if, it, if need be? Oh, yes, he would. One of the most powerful things that he ever did for our sake was to go to the cross, be beaten nearly to death, and then walk up Golgotha to be nailed and crucified. Wow, what a powerful statement that was, is. What a powerful statement that is. We can't use it in past tense because it's effective today as it was when it happened. That is powerful. Everything about Jesus was always about turning the other cheek and being kind and compassionate to individuals. What did he tell us about our enemies? If they're thirsty, give them water. If they're hungry, feed them. Don't be aggressive and don't be agitated with them. Don't treat them with anger. And we're also told 
that if you treat them with kindness, you heap coals upon their head. And let me share this with you about that. I may have done so a long time ago, I can't recall. But that actually comes from an old, uh, in Egypt they used to do this, long, long time ago. If you shamed a family or you brought shame to your family or you did something really, really despicable to someone else and it was shown that that did indeed take place, you had to, you had to walk around with a bowl of hot coals on your head. And after a while, it would get hot and probably your hair would start to smolder. And you had to, you had to walk around like that for a while. And then once, of course, the, they smelled your hair burning, they would relieve you and put salve on the burns or whatever, but it was, it was a very specific punishment. And that's where that saying comes from. But here's the point to be made is if you treat them with kindness, you give them water, you give them food, and you don't respond harshly because that's what they expect you to do. They expect you to treat them the way that they're treating you. And this, brothers and sisters, is factual for just about any situation for anyone. And you will find, and I have found in my days, is that people will 99.99999% of that treat you the way that they treat others. And then when you don't react that way and you question them, well, that's what I would have done. Okay, well, that's not what I would have done. I've actually been in a couple situations where that came about and I said, why are you treating me like that? Well, that's just because that's the way it is. I said, well, that's not the way it is with me. I wouldn't do that. Well, that's the way I would have done it. Oh, then the truth, then the truth eventually gets revealed. That's the way that they would have done it. And most often, as I shared with you, that's that's the reaction and the, the way that people react to you is because that's the way they would normally react. And oftentimes it's not good. So what we need to do and what we need to remember is that we treat everyone with kindness. We treat everyone compassionately and probably even more so those who are at enmity with us and those who are actual enemies and the Lord teaches that we treat them with kindness. Hungry, feed them, thirsty, give them to drink. And the scriptures say that will heap coals upon their head. They won't know how to react. They'll either, well, they can react some way that they get so angry that they knock it out of your hand or they get so angry they storm away and they don't know what to do. They just don't know. But here's the best of the best for it. 
in particular if there are others viewing and you don't know when they are or when they're not. But when others see how they are, the truth is then revealed. But most importantly, and this is where what I shared not too awful long ago is of most importance. It is called spiritual integrity. And that word integrity means to do what is right, no matter who's watching or who's not. But here's what we need to remember and recall. And Satan always loves to try to get us to forget this. Is that God's always watching. He doesn't sleep. He doesn't slumber. He's always aware of what we're going through. And he knows there will be times when we slip. He knows there will be times when we fall. He does not hold that against anyone. He does not hold that against anyone. He wants to remind us, and, and this is, this we find in Isaiah 41, verse 10. And this is this is a really important verse. The devil loves us to forget this, but following in regula fide, rule of faith, this is important. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. He's with us all the time. And this goes back, and, and we actually have shared with you before that we can go all the way back to the book of Deuteronomy, the fifth book of the Bible, way back up there in the beginning, where God promises that he is going to go with us. He will always be with us, and we're not to be afraid, be of good courage, be strong, because he's there. He's there. He will always be there. And we need to remember, always with us and always there. There is, um, I'm looking for a word. I'm sorry, but I, I was writing down, these are some of the names of God. I, I write these, I keep these in my Bible because they're really powerful. And the word Yahweh, <laughs> I've shared this with you before, but Yahweh is actually the first permissive name that God told us that we could call him. But this is how arrogant many become. And back in the day, and this is actually true, that you had the religious elders and those who thought themselves to be in charge and knew better than anybody else, they forbade the people to call him Yahweh. 
they took out vowels from the word and the spelling so that it would not be the whole word. The only ones that was allowed to call him Yahweh was the high priest when they went beyond the veil. Well, that's kind of silly because God told us that we could call him Yahweh. Makes no sense to me. And I've shared with you that Yahweh is maker of all things made, which is true, but that's kind of a um, sort of a twist that the word Yahweh is a Hebrew word and it means to be. And what did God tell Moses the very first thing when Moses said, well, who should I tell them sent me? And of course, God's response was, you tell them I am sent you. I am sent you. So I am gave Moses the laws, gave Moses directions and told them how things were going to be and what they should do. And then we have a permissive name that God tells us we can call him. And of course, being that God was from the beginning and we can find in Genesis 1-1 that God is definitely from the beginning. He created the heavens and the earth. And what does God, what does Yahweh tell us? That he will be with us always. To be when we get home. He will be there with us and for us. He made all things, he is all things, and he will be with us always. Abba, Yahweh. Heavenly Father, maker of all things made. Our Father is so good. I, you know, in putting, putting these together, And I like this one is really a really great one. And we actually find it in Ezekiel in the Old Testament, but it has to do with God here, now, and practicing his presence. And we can call him Shama. My Lord is present. Abba Yahweh Shema. Wow. Oh, here we go leaking again. Sorry. <laughs> God is with us. God loves us. Truly, all the time, all we have to do is practice being with him. And it's hard for us to do so many times. 
But this other word, and I just learned this Hebrew word, I was looking it up because I wanted to find it. I kept thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it. And then I found it. And I have to be careful. Hebrew is kind of a hard language to learn, pronunciations and all that thing, but kaver. That means friend. Our Lord, our God, is our friend. He is with us all the time. He loves us all the time. And the devil loves for us to um, think that God turns away if we do something and that we... These are lies. And, and, and I've shared with you that really, really awesome song that uh, Tasha Layton, I believe that's the young young artist that sings that song. I'm pretty certain it is. But um, I'm looking it up right quick. Bear with me, please. Um, Oh, I'm sorry. It's not. It's uh, actually Lauren Daigle. Oh, wrong song. I'm sorry. It is Tasha Layton. Forgive me. Got corn fused. But Tasha Layton and... The um, she shares in that song, and it is initially not necessarily a com a a com. Uh, goodness gracious, can't even talk this morning. Not necessarily a conversation that is taking place because a conversation denotes two two ways. And she's not having a conversation with the devil, which is something that we're told that we should not do and not attempt to do. Give him a rebuke and let it go. Don't think that you're so wise and so holy that you can get into confrontation with Satan or his demons. Lord gives us authority, but doesn't give us authority to go in and do fisticuffs with the devil. So the devil is trying to tell her, look what you've done. Look at all that you've done. And of course, she's talking to God in, in the situation. And then the Lord speaks truth into her and to her situation and the lies are revealed. Remember that Satan loves to get us caught up in so much stuff that we lose focus on the Lord. Satan loves to get us caught up in all this activity and things we're doing. And I've shared with you before is that people try to justify their distractions and they try to justify 
what they're doing because it's for the church. I got to do this. I got to get that. I got to get this done. And if I don't get that done, then the pastor this and the, and the uh, preschool and so forth and so on and yada, yada, yada. Well, that's a bunch of baloney because if you get so caught up in doing stuff and you fill your day planner, you don't get time to praise, you don't get time to worship, and you don't get time to be where you're supposed to be with the Lord. And if you're not, and oftentimes, and I'm not going to say this is factual for everyone, but oftentimes they don't make time for God because they get too tired out and they're too caught up in everything else they're doing. And then they try to justify it. Well, it's for the church, it's for the pastor, it's for this, it's for that, and it's all about the church. Well, Whoop-de-doo. It's supposed to be all about God. And it's supposed to be all about the Holy Spirit guiding. And it's supposed to be all about the Lord. But if you're doing it for the church, then <clears throat> have you not just declared the church sovereign over your life and not God? Seems to me that that answer to that question would be yes. You just usurped the Lord from his throne and for his taking him from his sovereignty as king and made church your idol, false idol. Remember, God gets jealous about that. And those are things that we need to repent from. Indeed, we do. And we need to keep that in mind. And whenever you find yourself slipping and falling to that, you need to, all you have to do is speak his name. I like this song. I've never really, I think the name of the song is just simply, I speak Jesus. And the verses are very, quite simple. And it is simply that you say his name. I'm trying to find the lyrics for this thing. Sorry. But all you need to do, and we're told this in the scriptures, all we have to do is say his name. And the lyrics. I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind. That's an important aspect. And I'm seeing this more and more, even in the young contemporary artists that they're taking to heart more and more the scripture. And the scripture tells us that with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. 
It's very important. And I share this. I can't share it enough with you. And I will get redundant or repetitive, whatever you want to use. And you know what? I'm going to continue to do so because it's a very important thing. Our minds are under attack all the time. And it doesn't matter what you think your intellectual prowess may be and how smart you think you are. Satan will pick you apart. This is why the helmet of salvation is very important to keep in place. When I was in the military and things got a little heated and a lot of sometimes you would take off at a gallop and you forgot one of the most important items, the helmet. Don't want to do that. The helmet of salvation. And you don't ever forget that we are indeed in a spiritual warfare. And you have those that will make declaration of, well, we don't, we don't have to do that. I don't have to do that because I read the end of the book and we win. Well, that's kind of like the armchair quarterback. Yeah, you should have seen us when we were this and we were that. Well, what were you doing? You were sitting in your armchair, sucking on a beer, sucking on a soda pop and eating pizza or a hot dog or hamburger, and we weren't doing anything. You were sitting back and screaming at your television. And then you would scream at the kids or the wife because she interrupted a big play and you missed the big run that knocked them out of bounds and fumbled and got called back. You missed that, so now you're mad. We weren't doing anything. You were in the armchair. So you slothful, lazy, individual, self-proclaimed Christians that don't want to go out and witness, you don't want to share the word of God, you don't want to go to Bible study, you don't want to be anywhere with anyone around and having to do with the church, and you just sit home all the time. Well, we didn't do anything because you did absolutely nothing. We are called to be about our father's business. So we need to share this. And even over those individuals, I speak the name of Jesus. I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind because I know there is peace within your presence. I speak Jesus. I just want to speak the name of Jesus till every dark addiction starts to break, declaring there's hope and there is freedom. I speak Jesus. Because your name is power. Your name is healing. Your name is life. Break every stronghold. Shine through the shadows. Burn like a fire. Remember, we have authority and we are given that in order to pull down strongholds because Satan likes us to be so pestered that we allow foundational stones to be laid down and then basically inviting them in and they come and they build up. What the goal is, is to build a wall within our minds to separate us from God, to separate us from, and we constantly are blaming ourselves, self-degradation, um, and making ourselves a lot smaller than what we are. But through God, we are mighty. And we need to keep that armor of God on and utilize what we have been given by our sovereign Lord 
God Almighty. I just want to speak the name of Jesus over fear and all anxiety to every soul held captive by depression. I speak and declare the name of Jesus. Over all your fear, over all your pain, over all your sadness, over all your grief. Because through and in all of these things, the power of the name of Jesus and the power of the Lord God is with you. And even in the midst of all of these things, you can still have joy in him. Joy of the Lord is your strength. I pray these things, brothers and sisters. Shouting Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Jesus, from my family, I speak the holy name of Jesus. Wow. Wow. His name is power. His name is healing. His name is life. breaking every stronghold, breaking through the shadows. I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind that hasn't here and is listening Abba Yahweh. Eshua, the power and strength that you bring, I speak your name over them so that they can feel you that they would choose to come accept that you are the only begotten son of our God. Having faith in God, letting the Holy Spirit guide their steps. Very simple to do, brothers and sisters, you're listening. It just takes a moment. Just takes a moment. I invite you. God invites you. The Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart. It's why you listen. Because something is calling you. And that something is the Spirit of God. Your Heavenly Father wants you back in the family. And this is important because the prodigal son this is a parable that Jesus used. And the prodigal son the prodigal son wanted everything he had. He was tired of being at home. And he demanded that he have He demanded that he have his inheritance and he wanted it. And he wanted it now. So the father gave it to him. He let him have it. And the prodigal son left. 
And what that means when you are living your prodigal life, that means you're, you're going out and you're doing whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want, and it doesn't matter. So he went out and he spent every single thing he had, everything he had. And he ended up sleeping and eating with a swine. Living with a swine. And he finally went home. But here's the thing. In culture in those days, the father saw him, and this is, this is so much Ava, Yahweh, Yahshua, seeing us from afar off. The father saw his son at a distance and knew that he had lost his coat, didn't have, he was, didn't have shoes on his feet. Well, the father ran to him. There was several reasons that he did that. Number one, I'm sure that his love was overwhelming. His love for his son was overwhelming. But also culturally, in that day, if he was seen to have lost his shoes and his coat and all those things, that he could have been ostracized, alienated and put outside and just not received at all. The father didn't want to happen to his son what culture would do, would have done to him. So he ran out to him, he greeted him, he kissed him on the neck, he gave him his shoes, he put his cloak on him, and then he brought him back and he told his housekeepers all that, you take him, you bathe him, and you get him a fine robe. Now, of course, you remember the, if you've ever read it, and that's fine if you haven't, the oldest son that stayed at home was all upset because the father declared they were going to have a feast and told his keepers and his field hands to kill a fatted calf and they were going to have a barbecue. They were going to have a big old party. Well, the older son got upset and was stomping around and all mad and angry. And then when the father questioned and posed it to him, he said, well, I don't understand. He runs away, spends everything he has, and then he comes back and you're going to give him a party. You're going to kill a fatted calf. Never did that for me. And what was the father's response? You never asked me. 
You stayed with me all the time, but you never asked. All she had to do was say, Father, if you and your friends wanted to have, I would have had a fatted calf prepared for you. You never asked. And you were always here. You're always doing for me. You're always with me. You stayed. Your younger brother, I thought he was dead. I'm just glad that he's home. I love you both. So, I I suppose the poser that I have for you is, and I've shared this before with you, and the scripture actually tells us, ask not, and you have not. God is a good, good father. So many times we become afraid to ask him for anything. But remember too, that when you ask our God, when you ask our father, when you ask, it's all about his timing. And sometimes you'll get a no, and sometimes you get a maybe. More oftentimes than not, God says yes, but it doesn't always happen when and where we want it to. God's watch doesn't work on our time. It works on a thing called universal time. Not local time, not Pacific time, not central time, mountain time, or eastern time. Universal time. And remember that a thousand years is as a day. And a day is as a thousand years. So brothers and sisters, we have to learn and practice to wait on the Lord. And that old song when I was younger in school, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength comes right out of the book of Isaiah. But the thing that we have to remember too, and what I always would add to the end of that little chorus, is teach me, Lord. Teach me, Lord, to wait. Because this is a thing that we oftentimes cannot do. Just like that pervert was trying to twist and get people to pay attention to his lies and deceit and tapping the back of his watch and being very theatrical about his presentation. And then, of course, he blew it because he stepped out of the way and you could see the pentagram and you could see where his, what he was really doing. He revealed himself to be what he was. But tapping the back of his watch and tapping his feet and kind of looking around as if he was waiting for a late train. Well, here's the thing about God. God's never late. In your mindset and the way you look at it, but God's never late. God is always on time. Even when he's ahead of schedule, according to you, or even when he's behind schedule, according to you, but according to God's and his schedule, 
he's always on time because he sees and knows what's best. And we have to remember that. I have a hard time remember that now. Remember, when I share these things I share with you, I have this little oval mirror in my imagining. It's oval and it's got nice ornamentation. Anyway, but I have a mirror in front of me all the time. So I'm not just speaking out there to y'all or who's ever out there that I don't see, but I'm also speaking and reminding myself of what I'm sharing is important for me to remember as well. God has called me to do what I'm doing. But God has called me to also remember and practice. There's an old saying many years ago when I was younger, practice what you preach. And we need to remember to do that. And I can remember when I was becoming a military instructor. <laughs> they used to twist things around so much. You do as I say, you don't worry about what I do. Well, that was really a good application. The best teacher actually is demonstrating how something is supposed to work. Brothers and sisters, you are in my prayers daily, going out and coming in. You are in my prayers. And I do declare Jesus. He is our sovereign Lord, our King. We'll be coming back to gather us up and take us home. Don't know when. Don't know if I'm going to lay down and go to sleep or if he's going to lift me up and I meet him in the air. Remember what the Bible tells us. said that those that have gone they they call it sleeping because essentially that's what you're doing down here i mean they put you you're, you're asleep if you're if you are in the lord and you have faith and you believe you're sleeping doesn't matter what anybody else tries to convince you of you're asleep because when the lord comes and he calls you up You'll be risen, your body will be made new, be made whole, and you will rise up and meet him in the air. And then those that are left will be called up and will meet in the air together. All of this is talked about if you read the book of Revelation, the book of revealing. That's what the word revelation means. It's got nothing to do with doom and gloom, as so many naysayers want to call it. And let me just hit this once again. I've, I know I've said this before, but what is doom and gloom about our Lord and our Savior, our King, coming to take us home? What is doom and gloom about that? What is doom and gloom that we're going to be able to see loved ones that, that we held dear to our hearts and they left this plane of existence and we are going to see them again. We'll be able to talk to them. 
What is doom and gloom about being able to have conversation with Martin Luther King, John F. Kennedy, Billy Graham, being able to speak to Jesus, our Lord and Savior, and being able to spend time with Abba Yahweh, our Heavenly Father, maker of all things made, the great I Am. What is doom and gloom about that? <clears throat> Are you dooming and glooming because you're not going to be able to stay here in this broken world? And it's going to be made new anyway, so everything is going to be scorched off of this planet. Because, I mean, look around and look what man and mammon have done to this place. You go to certain parts of the city and it's absolutely just disgusting with all the litter and people will walk right by a trash can and they won't even bother reaching their arm out as much as it is to extend from your shoulder to the top of the garbage can and then just drop the litter. They they drop it on the street. They drop it on the ground. Oh, somebody else will pick it up. That has become far too a common practice. People's absolute... disrespect for one another and there's a lot of this stuff going on so everything's going to be made new so I, I so when somebody uses that phrase doom and gloom oh I can't read revelation that's just so much doom and gloom really the revelation of Jesus Christ in reality and truth is doom and gloom well do you read the book of Matthew? Well, sure. Well, if you read the book of Matthew, what does Jesus say about the end times? Because he talks about it. It shall be as it was in the days of Noah before the Son of Man returns. That was not a good time. Let me remind you of this. Noah didn't just work on the ark and then go home and go to sleep. It took him 120 years to finish building the ark. 120 years, that's a long time. And every day when he finished, he was trying to pe preach repentance and they didn't want to hear it. They made fun of him. They belittled him. They belittled God. They degraded God. There was always something smart to say. And then when God said, Noah, it's time. And he gathered his family. All the animals were in the ark and they were set and ready to go. And God sealed the ramp. He took his hand and closed it and sealed it to protect Noah and his families and the animals. And the rains came down and the floods came up. And it happened so fast. I can only imagine with God's hand in and in, in stirring that how fast. Because I've seen things when I was driving around this country and I've seen heavy rains and things come up and how fast the water rose when I was getting ready to cross the lowlands and the bottoms down around St. Louis. I watched how fast the water came up. Looking over and watching the storm rains were actually geysering. There was so much water flowing they couldn't accept any of the rain that was coming down. They were filled to capacity. And within minutes, the river had overflowed and started to rise. And the low portion of an interstate freeway was so flooded. Cars were floating 
couldn't make it through. They were floating. People were trapped on their cars and sitting on their cars and the cars were bobbing as if they were in a river. So when it came time for the ark to go, that the rains came down and the floods came up and they came screaming, let us in, let us in, let us in, let us in. But it was too late. For 120 years, they had the opportunity. But they decided to make fun of the man building the big boat out in the middle of nowhere, there were no streams, there were no lakes, there were no ponds, and the groundwater they couldn't see because it was underground. And it came up. And it happened. Brothers and sisters, we have an opportunity. And we always try to plan everything, but remember that we're told in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, lean not to our own understanding. But the Holy Spirit will guide us and keep us. Brothers and sisters, I pray for you. I'm going out and coming in every day. Be blessed.